How have they looked at this over the years? How have they, how have they understood this? Because it seems almost a flippant answer until I heard Sarah's explanation for the kids. It does almost sound like a flippant answer. Who do I say is sending me? Who do, you know what I mean? Who may I say is calling? Who am I, who is it that is sending me? I am. Doesn't that, I mean, doesn't that sound a little flippant? Welcome to Tea with the Preacher, the message series from Fairfield Presbyterian Church in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Today is Sunday, January 8th, 2023, and we begin a new series, The Great I Ams. Pastor Steve reads from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, before he asks the question, Who is calling? I'm sorry, I'm still stuck with Sarah's children's message. You did a better job with your children's message than I'm going to do with this sermon. That was a beautiful, that was very good. That was a wonderful interpretation of that text. Because that it is, it is an interesting text in the fact that it is naming God. And how do you name one who is infinite and eternal? And Naming has always been something interesting for many cultures. Every culture has its different way of, of naming uh, people, of coming up with family names. Now, my ancestry is mostly German, and the German culture, generally speaking, the name comes from what you do for a living, what the person has done uh, for a living. Uh, If you know somebody by the name of Fenstermacher, that means somebody in their ancestry made fences. If you know, I had a good friend, this is one of my favorite names of all times. Windowmaker. Thank you. I knew it was something they made. But my favorite one, my favorite name was a good friend of mine and his family, Nonamakers. My good friend, Kim Nonamaker. And in his family, they were very disappointed to find out what nonamaker means. You're going to tell me what nonamaker means? Maker of nothing. Maker of nothing. Nonamaker, nana, nothing. And, uh, and, and then uh, Metzger is a butcher. Is a, is a butcher. And so the names tell you a little bit about the family and the heritage. I have no idea what the Starsers ever did. Nobody can tell me what a Starzer did. Any idea what the Wenningers? Oh, okay. It must not have been very good. If it was good, you would have remembered. It didn't stick. It didn't stick. But names, you know, would tell you something about the person in terms of, especially in those cultures where, you know, if, if, you're, you know, if your father was a, a, a shoemaker then you would become a shoemaker and your son would become a shoemaker and so on. Uh, you know, so that it told you about the person. It was part of the identity. And, and um, in the Jewish culture, the naming is based upon the family heritage. And, and uh, it, it, you are, uh, and, and, and it's actually carried down in the Scandinavian culture where you have Anderson. Well, that was the son of Ander. And so on. And, and so it, it tells you the, the lineage and the heritage and so on. So, so the naming of God is an intriguing situation. 
And we're also going to be, we're starting off with, with God taking a name. And then we want to look in the next number of weeks, six, seven weeks, at the uh, sayings in John, where John quotes Jesus as saying, I am the great shepherd, I am the, the gate of the, of the sheep, and so on. All of those, we're going to take a look at each of those, because each of those I am's, are going to help us to see more clearly and more closely how Jesus identified himself. And in identifying himself, then how do we understand uh, Jesus better? So let's take a look at Exodus in the third chapter, uh, verses 11 through 15 there. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Well, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. May the Lord bless this a portion from his holy word. Now that seems like a fairly simple passage of scripture. But now let me tell you the difficulty with it. And that is that the Hebrew language is not a written language. Now, yes, we have the scriptures in Hebrew written, but that doesn't make it a written language. You see, we're used to languages like English and Latin and Greek and so on, all of those variances that, that we have amended down through the years to get the language that we have today. And we think in terms of a written language. We like precision. We like accuracy. We like everything to be very clearly spelled out on a piece of paper. That's how we think. That's how we do things. That's how we, we remember things. We, that's how lawyers make a living is by making sure every word is precisely where it is. Contracts are written in a manner so that there's no misunderstanding. There's no way that, that it's going to be misunderstood at any point in time. When you read a good book, you, you finish a good book, and you, you have the sense of having known and experienced everything that had happened either in the novel or in uh, a history that you might read. We are used to that kind of precision. Everything, every word is carefully chosen, 
Every word is carefully written. We have all sorts of different uh, uh, variations on every word. I am, I was, I will, and so on. And, and we have all of these variations and we put them down in writing. Now, the problem is the Hebrew people did not care about writing. They were an oral people. The way to communicate was spoken. You would talk with each other. And the way to remember things was to, to tell and retell and tell again the stories that needed to be remembered. They were passed from generation to generation with that rote memory, repetitive work, and that's what you did. That's how you communicated. That's how things were understood. We understand things because it's in writing. They understood things because the story has been told. The story has been told over and over and over again. And so what they have in writing are just basically, in my mind, sort of cliff notes. Sort of a shorthand way of expressing things. In other words, it's as if they assume that you know everything that is there already, and we've only given you these things in writing so that you can recall what you already know. So there is not precision in the Hebrew language. There is not that, they don't even have vowels. How can you have a language without vowels? But it's like a shorthand. They don't need vowels because you're supposed to look at the consonants that they give you and go, oh yeah, I remember that story. And you're supposed to be able to retell everything because of, of how you have memorized it. It's just kind of a cliff note, a, a, a reminder, an ability to, to recall what you should already have learned and already should have known. So when they were putting Exodus down in this form and telling this story of, of God saying, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. They would have known exactly what that meant. They would have known what it meant. See, now, if it were in Greek, or if it were in English, we would analyze what tense is that? And we would analyze how is that phrased? Is it a participle? Is it a verb? Is it passive? Is it active? Is it this? Is it that? And all that they have are these four little squiggles on the paper. And that's how you're going to identify who God is. So here's where it works. You see, that's where you have to kind of fall back on how has this been understood over the years. How have they looked at this over the years? How have they, how have they understood this? Because it seems almost a flippant answer until I heard Sarah's explanation for the kids. I thought it was kind of a flippant answer, but you gave me a whole different perspective and messed up with my mind. So thank you, Sarah. 
But I thought it was kind of, it, 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 it does almost sound like a flippant answer. Who do I say is sending me? Who do, you know, I mean, you know, who may I say is calling? Who am I, who is it that is sending me? I am. Doesn't that, I mean, doesn't that sound a little flippant? Am I okay with that, Sarah? I'm okay with it. Okay, thank you. But it isn't. Because the word I am carries with it a lot more weight than in that tradition than it does in our English language. Our English language, we would say, I am, that's a moment in time. You know, on that moment, God was. I am is this, you know, category fits right here. But for God to say I am in the Hebrew way of thinking is to say I was, I will be, and even beyond where you can see, I still will be. Even before anything was, I was. So for God to say who is sending me and say, I am, tell them I am is sending you. He's saying that the one who was before all time, the one who was after all time, is the one who is sending you. You see, in that world, in that time period with the Egyptians and the culture of the Egyptians and, and, and that whole uh, peninsula there, all of the gods had a little different purpose. And if you didn't have a god that suited that particular purpose, you, you made up another god. And so your gods all had a timeline to them. They all had a purpose to them. They all had a timeline to them that would begin and have an ending. If you had a god in your house and the god was a god for fertility, and you had 22 kids, you'd throw that God out of the house. Their purpose, their timing had come to an end. You wanted them when you were young and in love, but now after you have a whole herd of kids, you're going, I don't want that God in this house anymore. So you started with them when you needed them, and you got rid of them when you didn't need them. And it was that way with, with all of the gods that they had. They all had a, a different time, a different perspective, a different purpose, and each of them had a different name that showed what their purpose was. And each of those purposes had a time to them, had a season to them. But this God, this God is the God who was before creation, before there was ever such a thing as time. It's the same God who will be there after all time has passed. He is saying, I am the one who cannot be constrained. I am the one not bound by time. I am the one not held back by a particular purpose or a particular need. I am the God who always was, who always will be. I am. We hear that same I am thousands of years after it was first spoken. And that I am 
is absolutely the same as it was back then. Thousands of years from now, others will read that passage and hear that word, I am. And it will be the same phrase then. So to speak of I am is to speak of one who always was and one who always will be. The one who knows no beginning, the one who knows no end, the Alpha and the Omega. It is to speak of the one God who is always there with us and for us every step along the way. Who is it that is sent to us? I am. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for your love, your grace, your mercy. But we give you thanks especially for your constancy that you always were and you always will be. That indeed you are the great I am in each of our lives. We give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Tea with the Preacher. To find more information about Fairfield, visit our website at fairfieldpcusa.org. Next Sunday, we listen to Jesus declare, I am the bread of life. If you like what you've heard today, we invite you to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite listening app.